Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? This is Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in New York City. Just talking about whether Congress is going to consider all of the uh, crazy things that Black Lives Matter, the Marxist organization, has done to hurt America, uh, whether they're going to consider what Antifa and other and like-minded anarchists have done to hurt America, the same way they're going to go after the neo-Nazi groups and all the rest of the radicals, that, uh, as they should. I think radicals are birds of a feather, whether they're on the left or on the right or wherever they are. There's no space for radicalism in in our body politic. And speaking of radicals, Maxine Waters is a radical. And you've heard her before. She's called for all sorts of unrest. And I can't even do justice to do an impression of her voice. So I want you to hear it from her herself. Check this out. Uh, He absolutely should be charged with premeditated murder uh, because of the lives that were lost uh, with this invasion, with this insurrection. And so, yes, we are threatened, but we can back up. We've got to fight as hard as we can uh, to see to it that there's some justice. All right. So they want justice. Now, Nancy Pelosi and others are calling for a truth commission, like a truth and reconciliation commission, like you've heard communist regimes do in the past. And my question is, are they going to consider the the radical violence that was brought upon the United States by groups like Black Lives Matter and others? And I figured who better than Joe Collins from California, who ran for the United States Congress against Maxine Waters to right the wrong that he saw was going on in California. Who better than him to set the record straight and bring us up to speed on what's going on? Joe Collins, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your thoughts on this this whole uh, truth and reconciliation styled commission that Waters, Pelosi, and so many others are looking to put forward. And do you think they're going to include BLM in, in their questioning of the truth? Well, in my opinion, I think it's it's kind of ridiculous. And, and the reason why is because we already have all these, you know, we, we call them the, the alphabet organizations, the CIA, the FBI, all these, other, all these other organizations who are supposed to be investigating things like this. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is it's not even a complete investigation. And the mainstream media is putting out a lot of propaganda that is, you know, contradictory to what actually happened. I think before they put together a, a 9-11 style commission or whatever you want to call it, truth and reconciliation um, commission, we have to start asking Nancy Pelosi, um, you know, what was her role in all of this? Because weeks before uh, those people stormed the Capitol, um, the, the Capitol police had 
asked for backup, some support from the National Guard because they were getting mm-hmm. a lot of intel that, you know, people were going to try to storm the Capitol. And so she denied the request for, for backup as well as the, the, the mayor of D.C. who denied the request for backup. So we have to understand, like, why did she deny that request and what did she know? You know, and, and I think before we do anything, we have to ask that question. We have to push for that question to be answered because it seems a little fishy to me. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know what? I think you hit the nail on the head. I was actually discussing this a little bit earlier today with a colleague of mine that it's interesting how the sergeant at arms of both the House and the Senate both said, you know, that they kind of had their hands tied. They wanted the help. They didn't get the help. They report to both the uh, Leader McConnell and Speaker Pelosi at that time. And nothing happened. AOC is even on record saying she'd been getting tweets or texts or whatever it was of people saying, hey, watch your back because there's a whole lot of drama coming to Washington. So apparently everybody knew but Nancy, but Mitch, and nobody did anything about it. What do you think really happened there, Joe? Well, I think that they knew. I think that they had the intel. I mean, it was all over Facebook. It was all over Instagram. These people were setting up groups and seeing what they were going to do. And so it wasn't it wasn't the secret that this stuff was going to happen. I think that they just, you know, n- neglected to do their duties. They they wanted to make President Trump um, look bad. And it was just a, a part of their a part of their plan to continue to try to make him look bad. Yeah. And again, just your, you know, your opinion, because obviously none of us really knows what happened. We were not there. Were you there? I wasn't there. I wasn't at the Capitol. Um, I was in D.C. on that day. And uh, I was kind of like behind the stage at the at the rally, but I saw the cop cars going, you know, back and forth. And so me and my team, we left. We actually went over to the next city, um, you know, way before President Trump got finished speaking. And even before he was finished speaking, those people were already in the Capitol. Right. You know, they had already tore it up. And so, you know. So and the reason I ask that is because I, I don't put it past Nancy Pelosi to have had advanced knowledge of what was going on and kind of uh, turn a blind eye to it because knowing, you know what, if that's what we've got to do, if that's the price we have to pay to make Trump look bad, then so be it to make sure we never get somebody that can galvanize people like that. I mean, you just said something that I think is poignant here. You were backstage at the rally. You know, for for a guy that they say is a white supremacist, we're on the radio, people can't see you, but you're a black guy. They can't see me. I'm a Puerto Rican guy. And Trump is an orange guy, as they say. And you have all of this going on from a guy that they say hates blacks, hates Hispanics. Uh, clearly, it's not true. You you were there. And I think this is why they want to go after him, because they've never seen somebody actually coalesce all sorts of people groups, irrespective of race, irrespective of color, and say, you know what? We're all Americans. We believe in America first. And I think they want to stop that. What do you think? I think the same thing. And, and one thing that the you know mainstream media has, failed to mention time and a time and time again that it wasn't white supremacists and, and neo-Nazis that stormed the Capitol. Those were American people. They weren't terrorists. These were, these were black guys. These were white guys. These were Latinos. These were Asians. Everybody was in the Capitol. And so how they try to paint that narrative that it was, it was race-related or had to do with some type of you know, anti-race organizations is just completely, completely ridiculous, in my opinion, but they continue to do it. Right. I think Trump says, hey, I'm having a speech. He's the president of the United States. Hundreds of thousands of people show up to support their president for political reasons, for patriotic reasons, whatever it be, all legal, all legit. And then even if you do have a handful of people that are radicals, neo-Nazis, whomever, that decide to get together with Antifa and do whatever they do, this small handful of people that go and actually attack this building 
and do, you know, what they did with their zip ties and whatnot. This to me doesn't allow anyone to say that you or me or anybody else is part of that group just because we support Trump. True or false? That's that's absolutely true. So I think it's again, this is one of those things where it's the Democrats pushing a narrative and then the media saying, yeah, I like that narrative and we're going to push that as well. Now, Joe Collins, again, I mentioned that you'd run against Maxine Waters. I know that you did that. I want to know what are you planning on doing moving forward? Are you going to run again? Uh, Do you have something in the works? Tell us what you're up to. Well, we are running again. We already set up our campaign to run again. Uh, what we're working on right now is recalling Gavin Newsom. We're part of the recall Gavin Newsom effort. And I do I did file a lawsuit against Maxine, um, you know, for the the slander and libel. And she disrespected my military service record on a, on a regular basis by telling everybody I was assigned to be discharged, which is absolutely false. So we go to court on the 24th. Um, for for that and then you know we challenged our election results also but you know fight the fight doesn't stop and we did a really good job in our uh in our election last time we pulled off 80,000 votes allegedly which is more than any other republican has ever gotten in a district with only 37,000 republicans and so you know we're going we're going to run again good for you so uh if people want to um get up with the campaign or give you a donation how does that work yeah, you go to JoeCollinsForCongress.com. All my information is there. Uh, whether you want to follow me on social media or whether you want to donate to the campaign or volunteer or even ask me a question, all the information, you can find it at JoeCollinsForCongress.com. Great. Now tell us a little bit about what's going on with the effort to recall Gavin Newsom. I know that's a interesting topic for a lot of people because, A, here in New York, you, you can't recall the governor. And I think a lot of people, you know, they – um They'd love to. (laughs) And so tell us what it's like to be able to do that and in a state where it was done not too long ago. Oh, yeah. You know what? The recall efforts is going really good. I'm sad you guys can't recall a governor um, out there in New York. I think that they should some legislators should pass some piece of legislation that says, look, if if your governor is underperforming and the people are sick of them, they should absolutely have the ability to, to recall them. But, you know, out here in California, we've been able to work on a bipartisanship level with Democrats, Republicans and independents and every other political party organization or affiliation to to recall them. I think this is one of the first times in a very long time that Californians has been able to work uh, for a common cause that's positive without even have to hate each other for your political party affiliation. So what does it look like, uh, the involvement that you guys have? Are you guys uh, using your, your team to go door-to-door? Are you creating commercials? Uh, I'm looking at your website, and you've got some really, really slick stuff with you walking around your district and just SUVs, or not SUVs, but even RVs that are just torched. And then Maxine Waters' is beautiful, beautiful mansion. <laughs> and I see you got the boys in blue there at your back. and It's just great to see the visual of it. To think that, you know, that's what the district looks like. And then she lives in this palatial type of a state. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, 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 it's a positive experience. I mean, uh, we are having rallies. We've actually uh, done this thing called the Recall Road Trip. You can go to recallroadtrip.com and find out where we're going to be next. But we launched in Los Angeles, then we went to San Diego, and now we're going from uh, city to city collecting signatures for the recall effort. We need a 1.49 million signatures, and we've hit that, but we're going to push all the way to March 17th, which is a deadline for us to be able to um, collect signatures. And, and we're going to make sure we get about 2 million signatures to be able to present to the Secretary of State 
to get the recall on the ballot so that people can vote to remove him. And then we'll have a special election to get a new governor in office. Yeah. Well, listen, you mentioned San Diego and L.A. I got some uh, really big supporters out there. Good friends. Um, Jesse Holguin from the Lexit movement. That's the Latino exit from the Democrat Party. He's a player oh, yeah. out there. You should connect with him. And uh, Patricia Flores down in, in San Diego's with that same crew, Lexit. So listen, Joe, I appreciate you coming on the show, bringing us up to speed on what's happening across the country. And again, just give us your website one more time in case somebody wants to send you a donation. My website is JoeCollinsForCongress.com. And thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. You got it, my brother. Everybody, that's Joe Collins. And up next, we're going to hear more from people in Congress and this silly Truth Reconciliation Commission. Plus, you're going to hear exactly what Governor Cuomo had to say. Keep it locked right there. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. All right, New York City, Long Island, everybody across America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Rumble, Parlor, one of my favorites that's finally back. Please connect with us on there. It's To me, it's one of the best ways, I guess, maybe because I like to talk and I talk a lot and I only get to talk to you now two hours a day. I like to keep in touch with you as news breaks throughout the day, so I share articles and things like that. And I really do look through the comments to see what you guys want to talk about, so I appreciate that. Because I realize not everybody likes to pick up the phone and call it, Hey, Richie, I I think your show stinks and I don't like your opinions. I I welcome you to call if that's your position, but I – I do like to hear from dissenters, from people that agree, from people that have other things that they want to talk about, as long as it's not too far off topic and, you know, not like, you know, the aliens killed JFK. You see, that's the problem. I don't want to get into that. But if you do want to give us a call, the number is 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Now, I want to talk about what's going on with Dr. Fauci, and I'm looking for my cut sheet to see which number that is, but Dr. Fauci has been, uh, there we go, 13. Dr. Fauci is saying that, well, you know, in order to open up schools, we got to do this and we got to do that and we don't need the vaccine. We need, but I see, we don't need the vaccine. What we need is money. We need moolah shmoolah, like Curtis Lee was says, Scott O. Now, listen, uh, this guy and his, uh, he just won a million bucks, by the way. Fauci just won a million bucks in a grant or something like that, like a, a prize, not a grant, a prize for sticking up for science award. I mean, you check it out. It's from an Israeli organization. They gave Dr. Fauci this million dollar award and uh, a prize, I think is the word that they use. And what I find interesting is he, uh, he basically is like one of the best bureaucrats out there, but because he gets so much airtime, you know, he's, he's on TV more than uh, anybody I know. This guy gets all the airtime in the world and he's like America's top doctor for everything. You're like, you know, my ankle hurts. Well, I'm Dr. Fauci, and uh, he gets that whole glassy thing going on, like Mel Brooks. He's like the Mel Brooks of uh, Washington. Anyway, he um, let me see if I could do that. Uh, well, you see, because it's uh, the key thing is we are on TV, and we talk about things, and we will adjust our positions and follow the science. So we follow the science. He gets a million bucks. And now he says in order to open schools, we need more money. Check this out. How confident are you that the guidelines will be followed? And do school districts have the resources they need to reopen safely? Well, George, the second part of of your question is really a good one. I think that the schools really do need more resources, and that's the reason why the National Relief Act that we're talking about getting passed, we need that. The schools need more resources. The things we didn't have before 
there wasn't that was there wasn't anything that was put down solidly on paper on saying these are the kind of things that you should consider these are the kind of things that you should follow i mean there was talk about it but it wasn't actually put down in a single document that you could access the teachers the educators and everyone else can i think it can be done i mean obviously it's not a perfect situation but it's really important to get the children back to school in a safe as way as possible safe for the children but also safe for the teachers and the other educators. I've never heard somebody use the word safe so many times in my life. Safe, safe, safe. It's safe. Well, we got to do it safe. Now, it begs the question, before this, this virus, was everything dangerous? Were we unsafe in going to school? Before school shootings, going to school without a bulletproof vest or maybe not going to school strapped, was that unsafe or dangerous? There are things in life that are one-off. The last time we had a pandemic like this one was a hundred years ago. There are groups and organizations that have prepared for these types of pandemics and run scenarios about these pandemics. And it's been long suspected and expected that a respiratory virus like SARS would make a comeback to the point that they were studying it in the United States and then move those studies, quote unquote studies, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Right. And this is not um, me opening up the door to the Chinese did it on purpose, but maybe they did. I'm just not going to go down that rabbit hole until I believe that it's uh, something I could prove in my heart of hearts. Why not? Best thing to do is let's engineer a virus. Great. Let's get all of our enemies sick. We hate the Americans. We hate Trump. We hate this and we hate that. But do you really hate the Americans? Right. So it's like when the mob would come and break somebody's legs because they owed the money from uh, from sports betting. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. They wouldn't kill you because they needed you to pay the VIG on whatever you'd borrowed or whatever you owed. They need you. You're part of the problem, but they don't like you either. But if you had a problem with somebody else, you could tell them and say, hey, listen, so-and-so's bothering me. And they'd say, oh, we'll take care of so-and-so. Why? We need you alive to keep paying your VIG, to keep paying the money uh, on your sports debt or whatever it was, or if you took money from a loan shark. So it's kind of, China has the same kind of relationship with us. They, they like the fact that we consume all of these plastic products and we consume all of these things and they could make them cheaply in China and then sell them to us. And it's important for us to have a robust economy so that we can continue to buy stuff from them because they make stuff there and they make money on stealing stuff. And the more stuff that they that we produce, they can make and sell it right back to us. And it's a match made in heaven. So. I don't think that the Chinese want to kill us, per se. I think they just wanted to have things that were you know, on deck in case they needed to do something like that. And I, I do believe that it perhaps uh, escaped, you know, secretly or that it was supposed to be controlled. Let's test it on the people in Wuhan. And that got out of control. And all of a sudden, oh, we didn't take into account. These people would fly around and it would spread like wildfire. This thing's way more potent than we thought. All of that could be true. My point is it happened. And a lot of these things are one off. And now we're getting this thing under control. I was looking at a piece in the New York Post today that says, the uh, I think it was from Carol Markowitz, and it said the vaccine will end the pandemic 
whether Fauci likes it or not. And maybe after this uh, hour one and for hour two, I'll bring it up and we, we can uh, take a look at it. But my point is for Fauci to come and say that we can open the schools without a vaccine. The CDC director can say we can open a school or all schools without the vaccine. But what the schools need is our resources. They need resources. They need money. To me, this really smacks of politics. It really makes me think, hmm, you could put a kid in there without vaccine. And I'm not promoting vaccinations. I think the less we take, the better. Take the ones you need to take and that's it. But that that part was okay, And I do agree with that. Open the schools. But now it's oh, we need more money. We need this 50 billion dollars that came out of that one point nine trillion dollar package in Washington. To me, this is where it gets very complicated. Why on earth would you take such a uh, position on television? Well, the schools need resources. Schools always need resources. Yet, I'm going to use Newark, New Jersey as an example. Uh, years ago, not, not a current example, but when I was in the state government, Newark was under state control. I don't believe it is anymore. I think they got back their local control of their school board. But at the time, the local school board had failed the citizens so badly that the state took control of the local board of education. Newark Public Schools and NPS was run by the state because kids were failing and these were literally failure factories. And this is a problem. Now, people would think, oh, that's racist. You look around, black administrators, black school principals. It wasn't a racist problem unless these racist black people were there to be racist against other black people. And I don't think that was the case. And I don't think it was a racial problem to begin with. The, the problem really had to do with money. You know, I learned early on as a young guy in my early 20s getting into politics, they told me, listen, kid, it's always about the money. And when it's not about the money, it's about the money. And that's the truth. And it's never been true. Another great saying that somebody, one of my political mentors uh, taught me early on. I said, no, but so-and-so is a nice guy. He looked at me, he smiled and he said, listen, everybody's a nice guy until they beep. And he used the F word. They F you. And I said, okay, I'll take that. Let me tell you, truer words have rarely been spoken. That's just how that goes. Everybody's a nice guy until they're not. So I, I use that wisdom, that experience that I've gained in politics. And I look at this stuff and I say, Fauci's promoting money. He just made a bunch of money. What is it that Fauci knows that we create all of these interesting conditions to laud him and exalt him the way we do? Yeah, Mark Levin pointed out the other night on the radio that Dr. Fauci is America's infectious disease guy. He runs that part of the um, CDC, the NIH, whatever it was. And he's not like America's doctor, but it, all of a sudden he's become. And on this program, and it's on WBCRadio.com, I interviewed the former Ash, the uh, assistant secretary for health, who a lot of people don't know. The assistant secretary for health is the highest medical officer in the United States. And with that position, Dr. Fauci reported to him. Everybody reports to him. That is the, the top dog. The only person they report to is the secretary of health, who's a political appointee of the president, whomever is occupying the office of the president. So I had the ash uh, on the show and he explained to me that he thought this vaccine was was safe and Trump had cut no corners and blah, 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 and all that being done. So Fauci gets held up by the media as their main guy to just gain the trust. It's, you know, he's this he's this little guy from Brooklyn, old Italian grandpa kind of guy. It's Dr. Fauci. Come on. Who doesn't love Mel Brooks? And, and that's it. 
They love him. So when he comes out and says, you know, well, we've got to follow the science. And we've got to do, hey, here's a lollipop, sweetheart. All right, Grandpa loves you. <laughs> Tell him no, no loves you. You know, that, that's what I, I feel like we get out of him. It's all designed to just kind of pull the uh, the wool over our eyes so that we don't really see what's going on. And that is, in effect, government as a whole. Just uh, in r- retrospect, Joe Collins earlier, he said something. And he said about Nancy Pelosi and that, you know, they had all this information weeks ahead. Even AOC was tweeting about she had the information weeks ahead. People in the Bronx, in all out crazies district in the Bronx and Queens, they had the information weeks ahead and nothing happened. But keep it locked right there. You're listening to This is America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. This is Rich Valdez. We are still here in New York City. So I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I see that uh, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani retweeted an article I put out there earlier. So big shout-out for the uh, retweet, Mayor Giuliani. Check him out at 3 o'clock on WABC. And, of course, every weekend with Dr. Maria Ryan, he's got a great show called Uncovering the Truth. And Uncovering the Truth is really what all of us are after, right? I think everybody is listening to radio to get information, to get the facts, to get the truth, whether it's from Rudy Giuliani, Curtis Lewa, Bill O'Reilly, John Katsimatidis, and so many others that we have on this great station. And we we do this because, A, for me, it's, I like to talk. Like imagine I was, I'd be doing this anyway. I would be in my car just talking to myself or yelling at the radio. So they figured, hey, let's put this guy on the air. But I, I think it's so important that so many of us do what we do, pursue the facts, pursue the truth, pursue information, because it's our institutions in America that we have to live within. We live within the confines of the institutions, whether they be of marriage, of of work, where you trade time for money, um, the judicial system, government as a whole is an institution, the family is an institution. That's what we have. But those in government that adhere to Marxist philosophy They tend to think that it's the institutions that run us, not us running the institutions. So I find it interesting that Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, she um, says that we need to dramatically reform our democratic institutions. Check this out. You were in favor of getting rid of the filibuster, right? Right. I mean, and that's really now what we have to do. We need to dramatically reform um, our democratic institutions. Uh, we have to end this filibuster. We have to ban gerrymandering. We have to make sure that we are removing substantial barriers for voting um, for low-income communities and people of color. We have to end the dominance of unchecked corporate power in politics. There's a lot of work that we can do. So we have to end the barrier of low-income people of color voting, these barriers, eliminate the barrier. Now, while the word salad sounds nice that we have to do that, first we ask, is there a barrier? Is there something stopping someone? Is the fact that my skin is brown or Ray Ray Mundy, who's a shade darker than me, do, are we somehow less capable of voting than El Blanquito, El Gringo, the white boy? Why? Does my hand move slower to hit the, the, the lever in the voting booth? I don't understand this. Now, I'm, I'm being silly, but I'm being serious. It may be going over my head. I'm sure if you're a progressive leftist, you're like, well, of course it goes over your head. You're, you're a radical right-wing lunatic, Rich. You can't understand this. You don't open your mind. Okay, let's go down that road. So you're saying that because of my ethnicity, my background, or things that are common traits for that, right? So maybe maybe I you're saying that I have low income. Maybe you're saying that I come from a home that um, 
where there was no father in the home. Maybe you're saying that I'm predisposed to criminality or, or incarceration. Maybe you're saying that I'm predisposed to lower levels of education. Maybe those things are all true because there's data that support that. So now are you saying that those things stop me or just the mere fact that I belong to a ethnic group? This is my argument here. There's nothing stopping me from voting. I vote for everything, including dog catcher. I don't even know the candidates sometimes. I make sure I go vote. You know why? My brother Bobby, Robert Valdez, he served the United States Marine Corps. People like him and others that put a uniform on and serve this country, they do it for themselves. They do it for their country, for their honor, and I respect that. But I realize that when push comes to shove, I've never had to participate in a draft. And because of faithful people like that, that support a voluntary military that's put its life on the line time and again, whether they agree or not, because that's what soldiers do. You go and you serve. That's what America's about. So I vote to honor their sacrifice for whatever it is. So when Ilhan Omar comes and says, well, you know what? We have to remove the barriers. What's the damn barrier? What is this barrier? Is it laziness? Is it stupidity? Is it ignorance? That's the one I think it is. I think when people don't know how important it is to vote, when people don't know the impact of not voting, they are not going to take it as seriously. This is just like the example I made the other day. They're like, oh, black and brown, black and brown, black and brown. And my dad, who died at 80 years old of a stroke, many, many um, health-related factors. He had kidney disease from a very young age and other things. But my point was, when my dad would go to the doctor, he would ask the doctor, he used to have a Cuban doctor, and he would say in Spanish, Doctor, ¿está bien si me sigo comiendo la pernil, el pernil y, y tomándome un par de fría? And he would say, Doctor, is it okay if I have a couple of cold ones and eat roast pork shoulder? This is the greasiest thing ever. And the doctor would go, sure, <laughs> why not? You know, just don't do it every day. And the, the point I'm making was, he, this is what he wanted to do, this is what he liked, it was a diet choice. He, the doctors had told him this stuff will clog up your pump. You're going to have a heart attack or a stroke if you keep eating like that. And my dad was a skinny guy, very muscular dude. So my point is so many people know things. There's so many stereotypical things about people from different ethnic groups. And the reason they're stereotypical is because they have a, a large part of it's true. There's When my mother was alive, there were many days you'd come in and you would smell fried food. She'd be making pastelillos like uh, empanadas. There was all sorts of things going on. If you're going to make a health choice, you make a health choice. But for Ilhan Omar to say that just because of my ethnicity, to me, it's very racist. It's very at least bigoted in the least to say that I have a barrier to voting and it's based on some sort of institution. So they make this argument in effect to say that we have to change our institutions like we, you know, well, because rich is chronically late because he's Hispanic, we're going to have to change the deadline for voting because voting is one of those things that you have to do by a certain time. Election day is not election week and it's not election month. You have to vote by whatever time, eight o'clock, even if you're going to go vote in person, you got to be online at a certain time or that you can't wait online if you're not there by seven o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever the rule is. So if you're bad with time, and I'm not saying all Hispanics are bad with time, but I was talking to somebody in my studio earlier before I went on the air, and I was like, you know, before I got into radio, I wasn't always very punctual. But when you get into radio, you realize you actually literally count seconds. Every clock here has a second counter on it. We have to count seconds. So when you learn how to count seconds, you get good accounting minutes and hours at the same time, and you become more punctual. 
I wasn't always horribly late, but I was, you know, and he, he looks at me, he laughs, he's half Puerto Rican. He tells me, yeah, it's called the PR 20. Everybody knows that you're always at least 20 minutes late. And, you know, we laughed about it. And I guess in some uh, circles, they would call that, you know, racist or this or that because somebody may be offended. Well, too bad. This is talk radio. That that is what happens when you share opinions that are unvarnished. But I say all of that to say. Ilhan Omar makes this presupposition that somehow I am inferior. Because. I may have low income. I'm inferior because of my ethnic uh, background. I'm inferior because of the color of my skin. She's making that assessment that somehow you need to remove barriers, that there's somehow a barrier attached to me voting and exercising my my right to democracy within our constitutional republic because of my skin tone. She's making that case, not me. And she's wrong. And I think she knows it. I think she knows it because she's trying to to make a problem that doesn't exist. There's nobody stopping anybody from voting. Years ago, I watched this documentary from Michael Moore called Farron. Yeah, I was going to say Farron Hype. That was a response to it. Farron Hype 9-11, which actually set the record straight. And there's a scene where it's Sharpton and he's like 150 uh, uh, African-American men and women that are with him. And they roll up on like a public library that's a, a polling location. And he's narrating what you're watching on the video. And they roll up to the polling location and he's like, we're here to vote to a cop that's guarding the door. And a cop says, this location's closed. And Sharp says, these people have a right to vote. You will not disenfranchise these people because of the color of their skin or whatever he says. And the cop's like, I'm sorry, you can't get in here. And it looks horrible. And then I watch the truth and I find out the facts. And later, you know, we dig up the, the timestamps. Sharpton was there two days after Election Day. He was staging the whole thing because somehow, because of one's skin color, you should be allowed to vote. Because of one's skin color, you are not allowed to vote. At some point, you have to wake up and realize and say, you know what? Because of my skin color means nothing. That's not going to be a barrier to me. I choose not to accept it. Now, I'm not going to say that there are things that don't happen. You know, as a kid, run-ins with the police, that was real. Didn't happen to all of my friends that played football, which the majority of them happened to be white. There was a couple of Hispanics there. And guess what? They were also kind of brought into that. So again, it doesn't make the case that, you know, the Arabic kid or the Hispanic kid that played on the football team also got a break from the cops. So is it a racial thing or was it a thing where if you played football and the cops, some of the cops like to bet on high school football games and they knew the people, they're like, ah, let's let them go. And then me, I did hang out with a bunch of kids that ended up going to jail. So, you know, I was with the wrong crew. Now, at the time, I thought it's because we're Puerto Rican, but that wasn't always the case. But it doesn't mean that doesn't exist. And I'm not minimizing that. But Ilhan Omar making this case about reforming democratic institutions because we have to remove barriers. It's these same barriers that they erased in this last election, like having to mail your ballot by election day and then backfilling and sending more and more ballots. And this is why people keep bringing this stuff up because the changes to the rules they've made don't make sense. And the arguments that she's making as a woman of color don't make sense. They hurt her. They don't help her. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox for now. So I always say as a final thought, if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. And that's from Hamilton. And Sir Edmund Burke says that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like all of us to do nothing. So do something, know something, read something. Stand up for what you believe is right. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.